Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee and this is the Autosport Podcast. Circuit of the Americas was treated to a Saturday sprint race and Max Verstappen delivered from pole to flag. It ended Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc. And to discuss, I'm joined by the editor of Autosport.com, Hayden Cobb. Welcome back to the podcast. So did Cota suit the sprint? Thank you very much for having me. Um, Did Cota suit the sprint? You thought on paper it probably would but if we're all honest and those that that watched the race before listening to this podcast no no it no it didn't but I think I would put that down to the majority of the grid all qualifying in terms of pace where where they should be no one was hugely out of position arguably George Russell because of his three place grid drop uh, for blocking Leclerc in sprint qualifying was but he made up the three those exact three places by the end of lap one so I would say that the track isn't probably necessarily to blame. It's again, it's going to be one of those multiple factor things. But it was not a great uh, sprint race uh, that we've seen. I see, obviously, like Belgium particularly, it stands out in my mind this year as, as a bit of a classic. You had the wet to dry conditions, but this one there was there wasn't any variables and, and there wasn't any uncertainties. So. Yeah, not great. And everyone, apart from signs, was on medium tyres. So even the tyre strategies were were very dull. Yeah, there's nothing worse than it's a bit like uh, the Azerbaijan race earlier this year when everyone pits within a lap of each other, one pit stop in the race, and you're like, well, there's there's no interest with the tyres. Uh, let's have a look at the, the final points-paying position, uh, the top eight, and it is sequential from eight down to one in the sprint points structure. Uh, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, that was your one, two, three. Lando Norris finished just 0.8 seconds behind Leclerc in fourth place. Then Sergio Perez in the second Red Bull, Carlos Sainz in the second Ferrari, Pierre Gasly getting that Alpine up into seventh and George Russell with a time penalty demoted him from seventh down to 
8th. So, Hayden, Max Verstappen had Lewis Hamilton in DRS for a couple of laps at the beginning. Hamilton got up to second. He uh, uh, overtook Leclerc off track, but got away with it as it was T1. Uh, So Hamilton kept him honest for maybe three, four laps, but ended up finishing 10 seconds behind. Most drama was probably Verstappen pushing Leclerc into the pit lane exit at the start, veering wildly across the track, but neither driver seemed to have a problem with it in the post-race interviews as he defended his lead from the second-place starter. Was that too much or was it okay? It was probably to the to the limit, at least from the television angles. Uh, he, he, he used all the track, which you are allowed to do. He didn't push him off track or into a wall or anything like that. But any further, and yeah, you would have thought this is either going to end in a disaster for one of them, if not both of them, or Verstappen's going to get in trouble. But no, it was the right side of it uh, in terms of that limit of, of using it. And Verstappen obviously had this set in mind because not only obviously did he pull across immediately after the start but it has been known and, it, and I think it's almost the the sequence of events the last five years from race starts at the Circuit of the Americas second place has had a great start and often led if not led in every single one of those races out coming out of turn one so it was almost destined that Mustafa knew this has seen that the the starts of the past and was like right I've got to block him off because the clerk has if the the second place starter has that inside line going into turn one so if they get get a good launch and get an equal launch where it looked like the clerk and Verstappen did they suddenly have the advantage by given on how the track layout is so yeah Verstappen played it right it wasn't over the limit it was probably just on the limit and and just as the press conference is I think finishing up as we're currently recording uh, Leclerc has said he's got no qualms with it and I think to the point where he'd probably do uh, something similar, which is probably a hint towards tomorrow's race, given that Leclerc starts on pole. So at least he knows what he needs to do against uh, Norris uh, on Sunday. Absolutely. Well, Carlos Sainz was the only racer on the softs, as you mentioned a moment ago. Thank goodness, because overtaking was sparse after the opening laps, which were quite thrilling, actually. Two or three laps, really interesting to watch. The Ferrari driver, Julie, gave us a few battles to watch. He made his way from sixth to fourth, using those soft tyres at the beginning, using the extra grip, and then had to fight off other drivers as they came uh, back through the field. Uh, why would Ferrari take that contra strategy? Being a, a top team, normally it's the lower end of the field where they sort of roll the dice a bit. Why would they do that and be the only team to split their strategy and split their their drivers on mediums and softs. It's a good point you raise, actually, about none of the other teams, particularly lower down the order, going for that gamble. And and I think probably each one's got its own particular reasons. But I, yes, I think Ferrari may have thought a few others would, would give it a go. We've seen over the, the sprint races this year, a few more have been up for the gamble of going for the softs for the sprint. But it just seems that the pattern is that it, it is too much of a gamble. Uh, medium is is the prime tire for for that this sprint length uh, because it is basically a, a whole stint of a, of a race of where the Pirelli tires are meant to be at, and hards are obviously a bit pointless in terms of the sprint format. Uh, but yes, when I think when everyone took sort of showed off what tires they were on, and Signs realised this is the only only driver on softs, he was probably thinking, ah, oh, this is. This is not good news. Uh, plan B for bold, but credit to him. Yeah, he made up those couple of spots at the start, so made the use of those soft tyres, but then gradually fell back. But he, his pace didn't drop off 
after that initial step too far and he was able to, to fight in that in for those points places and eventually still finish in the points of the sprint at the end yes he did lose out and yes he would have been probably better off staying on on the mediums but I think for the sake of maybe one position it, that wouldn't have changed his life that much he may have been able to keep Perez behind him maybe not and, and that was sort of the only difference so yeah, it's it's one of those where it was a gamble. It doesn't look like a clever one because the only one there and he lost places. But Ferrari does, and nobody else has this, has a long stint knowledge of how the soft tyres perform. Now, granted, obviously, teams can look into the lap time of of signs to try and adjust and figure out how the softs will last over mm. the Grand Prix uh, tomorrow. But yeah, Ferrari have that knowledge that, that nobody else does. And it's, it is useful information to have. So it could come full circle and be an advantage to them. The only thing worth saying about that is Ferrari can't do any setup changes to their cars with this in mind because of obviously the park Fermi conditions. So even if they did learn something really clever and really smart, they probably can't apply it. So uh, sprint giveth and sprint taketh away. <laughs> well, look, we, we head to the main event on Sunday afternoon, the Grand Prix. Max starts down in sixth because... His pole lap, should have been pole lap, was deleted. He went off the track, and yeah, he, may, he carried a bit more speed, maybe, but uh, it was still enough for pole. But he got de- deleted, so he starts down in sixth, and teammate Perez down in ninth. Having seen the pace of the Red Bulls, or rather, I should say, the pace of Verstappen today, extending that lead over Hamilton, because once they got in clear air, Norris just pulled away from Perez, but either way. So with that lead Red Bull, at least, cheeky question, so what lap tomorrow does Max take the lead then? Yeah, it's it does <laughs> set, it does feel like it's one of those races, and full credit to Verstappen, I think that's arguably where we see him at his best. We've seen him start lower down the order a few times in this dominant era, and just fly through the field. What like, I, I definitely, I, I would put my money on him on winning the race, as you say, on, on race pace and all that, assuming he has a clean and tidy first couple of laps. Um, it will be interesting to see how those early laps play out because the, the three drivers, just looking on that sprint pace, that can, can take it to max, let's say, if they get a bit of a head start, are the drivers starting the race in first, second and third, Leclerc, Norris... And Hamilton, arguably in sort of the the wrong order, almost. Um, but yeah, you, you would you wonder. Obviously, they're not going to try and work together. They've all got their own causes to fight for. But if 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 it's a clear and clean and easy start for for all of them, they could try and yeah bulk clear and just <laughs> starve off Verstappen for as long as possible. But yeah, I think over the course of stint, as we saw, like. Verstappen himself said after the sprint he was controlling the pace looking after his tyres he had pace in hand he, and he still almost won that race as you said by almost 10 seconds over 19 laps mid-distance I think is probably where it comes into it um, of, of where Verstappen then f- fights for the lead again but um, yes th- those those first laps those first corners who knows you never know you could get caught up in a, in an incident could, could get tangled up it's, it's, it's not out the realms of possibility yeah, absolutely. Well, McLaren had strong race pace today, again, at least in one of their cars in the hands of Lando Norris. One more lap and he could well have overtaken or at least been right on the gearbox of Charles Leclerc. And uh, Sunday tomorrow, he starts second inside line to T1, as you mentioned. What do you think McLaren's target is going to be in the Grand Prix? You've, you've narrowed it down pretty well there, but I would say, yeah, leading out of turn one, 
and getting as far clear as possible of the rest and hope somehow they can just hold up Verstappen or delay his yeah his ascent through through the field. Uh, podium, I think, for Norris, given his starting position, is is sort of the the minimum target. I think that probably would have been the target's day as well, but it just didn't work out, and he only just messed out, as you say. Um, but yeah, just making the most of the start. The the car in Norris's hands this weekend looks looks a competitive package. Piastri has has been struggling a bit. This is his first uh, trip to the Circuit of the Americas. Um, and I think we have seen that over this year of circuits in particular he's he's run familiar with uh, in terms of zero testing, zero races before. He has been that step behind Norris, um, and that's no necessarily knock on him, but yeah, today's sprint again demonstrated that. He was told over the radio that he was sort of burning up and heating up his tyres way too much at the start of that sprint, and that's why he really struggled and fell through the pack a little bit. And of course, he's got the added problem Tomorrow, starting starting far down the order in tenth, I believe. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough ask in terms of getting, say, that double uh, McLaren podium. But uh, yeah, if if Norris can can get that podium there, and it will be it will be a strong strong result for them, given the, the the superiority that Red Bull currently have with Verstappen. Yeah, fourth second place in a row would be incredible for I look I know he wants the win obviously he wants the first win of his career and this weekend there's a lot of attention around those drivers that came in uh, Lando Norris and uh, George Russell that sort of 100 Grand Prix they've all got to at the, the same time so yeah he obviously he wants the win but you know another second place four in a row would be utterly incredible for constructors as well looks like it's going to be tough for Piastri no points scored by the Astons today Stroll retired with brake failure or at least he said his brakes were going and Lonzo's struggling. They got those all those new upgrades and no time to do any setup on it because of just a single practice session as it's a sprint here at Cota. And so constructors-wise, six points behind for McLaren behind Aston. And yeah, anywhere, anywhere with decent points. But certainly, even if Lando Norris just scores for McLaren tomorrow, uh, it, they'll easily be overtaking Aston Martin. So as Hamilton finished second, Russell, though, finished eighth but seventh on track. A, a three-place penalty, as you mentioned, on the grid today for the sprint for a quality or a shootout infringement. An off-track overtake in the sprint race today handed him the five-second penalty, so that moved him back at the end. Russell needs to shake off this kind of scruffy weekend that he's having, doesn't he? As you say, scruffy is probably the perfect way to describe Russell's weekend so far. It's not been a pretty one, and he hasn't been impressed and enamorous with the upgrades that... Mercedes delivered this weekend. Now, there's been a lot said about this upgrade package. To be honest, it's probably, I think, a lot said about every Mercedes upgrade package recently. But but this one is is the one that they not only obviously like finish off this car and, and, and try and sort of make it as best as it can be, but it's, a, it's really the test bed for the 2024 revamped car of when they try the new concept again. It's a big moment in terms of Mercedes season and then with one eye into next year. Uh, but Hamilton has been been very very happy with this package, and you can sort of see it. Yes, he is. Uh, he loves this circuit. He's obviously gone strong with it um, over the years. So a little bit of factors playing into his advantage. But he generally, yeah, he's been on it as you said, second place uh, in the sprint, really fighting for Snappen as, as strong as anyone, um, and and is in a great position for the Grand Prix. But Russell, on the other hand hasn't been glowing about these upgrades and has been off it. As you say, he was warned about Leclerc for the him coming on a fast lap, so blocking, so he's only got himself to blame on, on, on that front. Yeah, overtaking Piastri off the track, given that 
okay, he wouldn't have known at the time, but how Piastri was falling back wasn't necessary. Picks up the five-second penalty and that ultimately drops him behind Gasly. Yes, it's only cost him a point, but again, it's just not its not what you need. And yeah, he has it all to do starting from eighth place on, in the Grand Prix and he's going to be coming up against similar sort of fights. And maybe he, he needs time and... and just laps in this this upgraded package to to feel a bit more comfortable to feel it's the the right way to go. Uh, but it's yeah, it's Grand Prix time for him now, so he hasn't got that time. But yeah, we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see. Give him give him Sunday and and give him a full judgment of his of his race weekend. Yeah, if you look at the best sectors that they all did in qualifying and you put their perfect lap together there was quite a a big delta between Hamilton and Russell Hamilton really seemed this weekend just to get that car dialed in there was something like uh, three or four tenths between them which is which is rare for this year actually there's been so much even between the Mercedes drivers what was interesting as well about those ideal lap times was six hundredths between Verstappen and Leclerc which is interesting but then I'll caveat my own point by saying what happened on Friday it starts to become irrelevant because they've learned so much in the you know the, the shootout the sprint laps today and they had like so little data on Friday afternoon or Friday evening when they were doing that qualifying for Sunday's Grand Prix. So final question to you then, sprint weekends, sprint weekends mean so little practice, especially when you're bringing new bits that you want to correlate with what you think they should be doing. Is there anything else that we learned or you think that the teams might have learned today in those 19 laps that could perhaps change the way that Sunday afternoon pans out? They would have learned a lot, every team, and, and this was certainly the longest, as you say, longest stints anyone's done this this weekend. And the unfortunate thing is, as we hinted before, they can't make any car changes in, that, in terms of that would actually be fundamental and, and, and quite useful from it. Um, so in terms of the learnings about their cars and upgrades and things like that, with, with one eye on the upgrade packages that Haas, Aston Martin, Mercedes have, have delivered in particular this weekend, it's probably a move on to Mexico in the final few races um, because because <laughs> of those inabilities to make changes. Um, but they will know at least on, well, everyone will know how, how the medium behaves. Um, they'll Ferrari will have more information on, on the soft, but I think everyone will get a rough idea. Uh, even even if the soft is is touched, then I'm sure everyone will try and go uh, if it's possible one stopper. Uh, if, if, <laughs> if if the hard could just be one of those again this weekend where it just goes and goes and goes. So yes, they would have learnt a lot on the upgrades and obviously stink lengths, and we've got a good eye on on the pace of each team over one stint from 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 fuel fuel loads high to low. But there's that, that case of, and this is the case for every sprint weekend, is there's not a lot they can really do about it. it it's sort of just you've got to, yeah, run with what you've, you've brought to the track. So, yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, Verstappen and Red Bull, I think, will be will be confident. Um, I think McLaren and Mercedes, that they'll know that podiums are on. Ferrari, maybe a bit of luck. They need, again, they're still struggling with that ultimately sort of race paces the Achilles heel um, but Leclerc in particular given he's a starting from pole position will we'll feel he's in with a shout so they've learned a lot but I think that, that is the ultimate issue with the current F1 sprint race format is it makes everything a little bit difficult and a little bit samey there's I, I mean I, I I was always curious when when 
sprint races came into F1 and, and the format they've gone with. And I was I was wanting to give it time, but I think now we've had, well, this is our fifth one of the season. We've got one more to go in Brazil. This format, and currently where the rules are with part Ferme, with lack of practice, it needs tweaks again if they're going to go with it. I think somehow teams need to be able to make changes uh, after or during the sprint right up to the Grand Prix uh, if you set certain parameters of what you can change in the cars but so obviously like you can't put like a quality setup and then switch the, the car entirely but there needs to be that variety so teams can make the difference drivers can make the setup changes so it isn't just a, a repeat um, like the day before I guess but um, they, they, I think F1 will, F1 will have learned a lot from this weekend they'll know the format needs changing it doesn't want to become too samey and probably six of them over the course of a 20 plus race season might actually be too many. I, I mean, I, I, that, that is down to a personal opinion, but I think it doesn't help that Qatar was a grand, was also a sprint one and that was just, just happened a week, uh, two weeks ago. But yeah, it, it feels very samey and, and doesn't really add to it. And I, the one thing I would sort of add is let's, Let's pretend the sprint didn't happen and tonight we saw Verstappen lose that lap and starts sixth. Suddenly that is the talking point and that's the intrigue. Like, oh, the clerk's on pole. Yeah, Verstappen's sixth. That, how are they going to deal with that? They can make change. But, but we sort of know how it's going to go. It just is a case of can Verstappen go from sixth to first. And, and again, we, we probably know that as well. So... Yeah, because I guess coming out of qualifying, one of the things that closed the pack up on Red Bull was that because it's a bit more bumpy here, Alex talked about this a little on last night's Friday podcast, It's a, the track surface here, it's not quite a Singapore situation, but it's, it's one where Red Bull can't come out of the box uh, or just sort of unpack their car and immediately get that ride height where they want it, which is that, that Red Bull strength this year. The whole package is perfect, working in perfect harmony. So they have to be slightly less optimised on the ride height. And that's why Alex thought one of the reasons why the pack was closer to Verstappen this weekend. They, you know, Red Bull haven't lost speed. They just can't get in that absolutely stunning window they can because of ride height and the circuit uh, here. And now we've seen actually another 24 hours. They've got their head around it. Is it going to be different for Sunday? Probably not. Max will probably know exactly what he has to do now and the team will. So uh, you're right. I do have recency bias in that I find myself not liking the sprint weekends. And then I watch one and I go, oh, that was fun because I like seeing Formula One cars on track. And so tonight I'm like, oh, it wasn't a, it wasn't one for the books, but that was all right. And then I know that in a couple of weeks time, I'll think, no, that was actually really dull, wasn't it? And so, but I do have huge, you know, recency bias. Before we go, um, I do, just in case I forget to mention it on the Sunday podcast with my sieve brain, this weekend, F1 Academy wraps up and that has been interesting this year. Susie Wolf took on that role earlier this year to lead F1 Academy. That all came about just as W Series was, was disintegrating. I don't think I'm being unfair in saying it's flown under the radar this year. I just don't hear anyone talking about it. But next year, she has got all of the the 10 Formula 1 teams to at least brand, you know, one of those F1 Academy cars with their team branding. So if you follow McLaren, for instance, there will be a young female racer driving what looks like a McLaren. I think that'll make a difference next year as well, but still huge amounts of work to do. Uh, because we should absolutely be seeing more females in motorsport having more success than they are at the moment. And it can't just be another 
sort of uh, token is the wrong word, but I'm using it because I'm lacking any other words. But just sort of plastering over the problems that we've got in terms of diversity in motorsports. Plastering over is a better, better way of describing it, actually. But um, yeah, I'm not being unfair. Am I saying that it's it's sort of gone a little bit under the radar this year? No, not at all. I think. I mean, the, the, the series organisers will know exactly the reasons and the whys, and I think there's a far more complicated web of deals and situations that have, have gone on. But the F1 Academy has definitely been trying to find its feet without being in the public uh, spotlight straight away, mm. which, rightly or wrongly, in terms of W Series situation, yeah, they, they went it from, from the start and, and were like, this is what we are, and things weren't perfect, but they knew that, and, and they sort of went as they... As they as they were, whereas, like you say, yeah, they, they, their coverage from 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 TV to to what we uh, can cover from for for Autosport, as both the website and and magazine has been has has been limited. Um, we, we won't say anything on that, and that's not something that we've actively chosen to do. But they've learned they've learned the way to go. Like Susie Wolf, for example, did hint that at the first round, the top ten in qualifying was split by sort of close to two seconds but yeah, as you saw in circuit the americas the gaps were yeah t- down to tenths and and therefore that's a, a better pure spectacle you could say uh in in that sense yeah drivers teams they're all finding their feet their understanding of, of what the series is about how to make all the teams competitive to make it an exciting series and, and i think full credit that They've given it the full beans for, for the final round at Circuit of the Americas in terms of coverage, in terms of information, access drivers. Uh, it, it has worked. It has been better. And I think from from 2024, this will be the blueprint for, for every round going forward. They may not give it as uh, an intensive exposure because it will just ultimately be competing against lots of other series of motorsports. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's a great start. It was wonderful to see. Yeah, Martha Garcia with, claim the the championship in in race one at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, they've got their final race of the first season tomorrow. It generally feels like a really good first step for for what the the plan is and what they want to do. Uh, and I also give credit to to Susie Wolf being very very open, honest, saying basically if if F one Academy f- fails, this this is sort of it in terms of getting uh, inclusion of all genders getting diversity in motorsport like if this doesn't work then there's no <laughs> there's no hope for us which is quite stark but is an honest appraisal of of where everyone is at and where where it needs to go so i'm yeah i'm really optimistic i like what they've done and while my own opinions die into it in terms of how f1 may may or may not have sort of handled w series and, and particularly changed that slightly mm. but at least some good has come of that and we're seeing it now um, and hopefully we see it even more in 2024 and it becomes uh, a wonderful part of the the spectrum of motorsport that we have. Uh, And part of a great support series, great to see Formula 2, Formula 3 and to see F1 Academy. The cars, I mean, they're okay. Again, it's it's never going to really engage the fans in terms of wanting to see these the the cut cutting edge you know vehicles they rev to about five six thousand and stuff they don't sound amazing little 1.4 litre things but but actually you know f1 are putting 150 grand into each car and subsidizing it and um which is you know probably peanuts in their budget it's sort of loose change down the back of the sofa for <laughs> formula one but it's still it's decent money they're doing to support each of those cars and uh yeah i i, I want to make sure that we had a little chat about it because 
I really haven't this year, and I didn't want this weekend to go by uh, without mentioning it. So thank you for that. Um, That is your Saturday podcast for today. Make sure you are firmly eyeballs on autosport.com for our live coverage, all of the fallout from Saturday and everything building up to the Grand Prix, and of course, things like the driver ratings on Monday as well. Uh, Let's have a look at how that constructors battle works out as well, and whether we can get another non-Max Verstappen win. Not so sure, personally. Looked pretty quick today, but uh, let's wait and see what happens with the Grand Prix. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.